This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Osmond, and I'm really pleased to have multiple guests with me today on the podcast for your listening pleasure. They're called the Women in CX, and we're going to explore this exciting opportunity in the world of customer experience as we as we talk to our guests today on this podcast. But first, I'd like to welcome our guests and have them introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their customer experience journey. And so, Mandisa, can I start with you and your introduction, please? Um, hi, hi, Bob. I'm Mandy Samakubalo. I'm based in Cape Town in South Africa. Actually, I live in the township of Kukuletu, which means our pride. And I've, I've grown up here all my life. I'm still living in Kukuletu. It's a beautiful township. And I'm one of the founding members of the Women in CX community. Very, very much excited to be part of the community. Wonderful. Glad to have you. And Olga, would you like to go next? Sure. Thank you, Bob. Um, great to be on this podcast. Thank you for having us. Um, I live in a beautiful country of Georgia, not the state of Georgia, but Georgia in Southern Europe. This is the fifth country for me. Um, I'm not originally from here. Originally, I'm from Russia. I used to live in the US for a bit, a little bit in Germany and 12 years in the UK. Um, so I kind of get confused where I'm from. But that gives me a global perspective. And um, certainly, that's something that I bring into women in CX and into what I do in CX. Excellent. Welcome to the podcast. Claire, would you like to uh, go next? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having us on the show today, Bob. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm Claire Musket and I am the founder of Women in CX, um, but my journey into customer experience very much started on the front line. I was out there working as a waitress while I was at university, worked my way up into uh, management before I even graduated. They let me go on a graduate scheme and run a hotel and restaurant at 23. So very much the operational route in. I went into insights and data uh, originally before then discovering this thing called customer experience which um, when I started out, I'm aging myself here, it wasn't actually a word. I um, got my first customer experience manager role with a title in 2009 and went on to spend basically 15 years in corporate CX up until I was head of CX at Sainsbury's. And then I left in 2017, started my own venture um, as a, an agency in customer experience design. And I'm sure I'll tell you more about this later, but when the pandemic hit, basically it decimated my business. And that was the original genesis for why I started Women in CX. Excellent. Thanks, Claire. Welcome. And Serena. Yes. Hi, Bob. Uh, super happy to be joining you on this podcast again. Um, 
Serena Riley uh, started out my journey into customer expe uh, experience on the tech side of things. So I went to school for software applications and programming, um, super nerdy, turned into uh, helping uh, folks from the IT support desk sty uh, style of things, moved into more of the frontward facing um, customer experience, customer service uh, externally, as opposed to internally supporting employees. Um, and then have just kind of stayed and, and worked my way towards what is something I didn't realize existed, customer experience. Um, but working in, in many different uh, industries and, and whatnot, the last two here and the last probably about 10, 11 years has been in uh, tech startups. So I'm located in Ann Arbor, Michigan area in the US. So uh, kind of the, the Midwest's uh, area for tech startups. Excellent, thanks and welcome everybody. So I have a question for you. When you were a little girl growing up in your home country, did you say, I wanna be a customer experience professional? No, can I start? <laughs> sure, Mandisa, please. So, <laughs> but the strange thing is, my dad ran a home-owned business. You know, he was selling vegetables. He was selling livestock from home. And I guess I got exposed to customers at that time without me even knowing about that. So it was kind of in my genes already from the childhood, but I did not growing up telling myself I will be a customer experience professional. But today when I look back, you know, um, it started back then, or as much as I wasn't aware of it, but it started at that time already. And that's why I'm here today. And all of those skills that I learned as a child are actually benefiting me a lot today. So I gotta thank my late dad for having exposed me to CX at that time already. <laughs> What's interesting, Nadisa, is when I ask that question of my guests, there always seems to be something in the childhood that links it to the DNA. And that's what's so fascinating. And you're, that's exactly what your experience has been. Olga, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I was born in the Soviet Union. So as you may imagine, <laughs> it was far from the concept of customer experience as you could possibly get. Um, but there is, there, there is also a link. Um, my dad is a rocket scientist. So I was exposed to analytical and systemic thinking from very early childhood. And amongst my friends, most of their parents were either constructing rockets or building rockets or flying rockets. I didn't have any other friends. So that was a very uh, <laughs> sad childhood, I guess. <laughs> um, and when I first, well, I first started my career in logistics, actually, I used to work for Bayer in animal health department. Um, and then after that, when I went to study to Germany, I got really interested in the thing called market research. And um, I joined GFK, which is a global research institution, at which point my dad, the rocket scientist, said, that's not a real job. That's not real science, isn't it? <laughs> Why didn't you get a proper job? It's like, no, no, you wait, you wait. Um, and that kind of gradually developed, you know, back at the time, we didn't know what customer experience was as a science. And um, I started my kind of journey into it with um, a key account of mine, Thomson Reuters, who at, you know, that was 2011, I think, and they completely led their 
um, call center transformation from a customer experience perspective. What I was supporting them with customer research and that got me really interested because the key problem I saw then, and I see a lot of it today still, is getting the customer voice and then not using it. Um, and Thomson Reuters did the opposite. So they, they did it well. So I wanted to be like them and that's how I got here. I love it. And Olga, I was at Thomson Reuters. Um, so we'll have to talk separately yeah, about our experiences yeah, there. Um, Serena or Claire? When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a professional show jumper. So <laughs> yeah, I was like horse crazy and I had a really bad riding accident uh, when I was at uni. And that basically was a career path not available to me after that. So um, I just really loved working in hospitality so as soon as I was legally allowed to work I went and got myself a job in a pub um, and I just loved serving customers I couldn't explain it but the joy it gave me to make other people happy and to be you know stood behind a bar on a really busy shift and later on when I got into management and you know being able to have that same impact on employees as well I just was bitten by this bug of like service and experience and I guess people um ultimately that that was was where it began for me I'd never considered it as a career path um I didn't think you know that was where I was going to be I did a master's in marketing before I went on this graduate scheme um but yeah like now I realize it was just the most natural thing ever and I and I now know I do something that I love and I always have loved I just didn't make the connection back back then <laughs> excellent yeah, and for me, I guess growing up, I always wanted to be a teacher, which uh, I didn't really think about until now how those kind of correlate together. But generally speaking, I am teaching. It's just in a different kind of mindset and shift and topic of, of things. And um, it's uh, it's always been service oriented for me too. My, my mom was always a big influence in my life and she was always helping the elderly or, you know, helping uh, PTO for schools and things of that nature. And it always just being around people and trying to be of service and being helpful and, you know, taking care of people's needs and things. So I think subconsciously that's something similar to what I've kind of grown into myself is a servant leadership style and wanting to make sure that we're taking care of the people we serve the best. And that means from the people that we support on our teams, from the people that we support internally across departments, as well as customers and stakeholders outside the business. So makes sense now. <laughs> it does. It's it's interesting, Serena, that you you mentioned that I'm I'm an education undergraduate um, degree. And when I went into business, the way I got into business was talking to people about the fact that I have to deal with parents and superintendents and fellow teachers and students, and you have to be flexible and, and you have to um, be able to adjust your style and, and the education taught me that. So that's, those are fantastic stories about your backgrounds and, and how you can relate to your career now in CX. So let's talk specifically about women in CX. How did it, and I think Clara, this will be directed towards you as the founder but how did it come to be? What's it all about? Tell us. Wow. Okay. So, um, so I'd always had an affinity with the female desire for equality. So I was essentially a feminist who worked in customer experience. Um, 
but it wasn't until I had the space in my life that was created by the pandemic taking away all of the business that I was working on did I have the chance to really explore that as an avenue um, creatively so what really began as a podcast of which Olga and Mandisa were two of my guests and we had some serious conversations not just about customer experience but about being women so we talked about things like domestic violence and racism and you know really difficult topics and the podcast just took off like because it was so authentic and it was so collaborative and the women were displaying such courage and the way that um you know we selected our guests wasn't like a popularity contest it was about including women from very different backgrounds cultures and perspectives who had something to say and, and giving them a platform and a voice and it was serendipitous really that we were able to to get to the point of us being a startup because this guy, Jonathan Schroyer, who's a philanthropist and tech entrepreneur over in Silicon Valley, had listened to this podcast and heard the stories of women like Olga and Mandisa and said, you know, if I gave you some money, what would you do with it? And I just said, Jonathan, I'd start a community, an online platform where more women can have these conversations, benefit from the connections, experience the support and love that I've had through this podcast and do it on a global scale. So he basically gave us $10,000. And that enabled us to, to start the research for um, the, the, the need behind uh, women's careers and the challenges they were facing and the goals that they had and what was missing. And then therefore how a community would be able to fill it. And, and obviously I'd made the connection with Olga and Mandisa. So Olga actually was the um, consultancy I chose to partner with on the research. So Olga ran the quants. Mandisa became one of my, well, the, the alpha founding members too. And um, we basically went on this mission to take this insight about women's needs, goals, and motivations and created our first prototype uh, MVP of an online platform that we then invited um, women to join for a beta test and co-design with us, which is when Serena came on board. <laughs> and since then, it has essentially been the best customer experience design project of my personal life because we've been able to do this in a way um, that it absolutely puts the member and their experience at the center of everything. And I don't have any stakeholders saying no or any technology um, infrastructure that's a legacy that will stop us from being able to deliver the things we want to and being able to absolutely apply co-design iteratively to to get to where we are today and we'll continue to go to in the future um so it's just been like a an amazing ride um, but clearly you know finding product market fit or community market fit there was always a need for this it just was a case that it hadn't been done and all i can say is it's the power of female collaboration and the community itself that has got us to where we are today and will continue to propel us into the future. Um, and as we hand over leadership with founding members who've gone on to become community leaders in their own right and set up their own groups within this platform, I'm super excited about the future and how many more women will be able to bring this to and for them to experience what it feels like to be supported, loved and nurtured by other women too. What a wonderful journey and a wonderful story. And, and the most fun I have as a podcast host is turning the tables on other podcast hosts and having them be a guest instead of a host. And so, uh, Claire, uh, we're glad that you're a guest of ours today on this podcast. Now, as founding members, uh, tell me uh, a little bit more about some of your other experiences, Serena Mandisa and, and Olga, in working within this organization and this community of women. 
I'm happy to go next. <laughs> we both unmuted ourselves at the same time. Everyone's so polite, <laughs> aren't they? Just waiting. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> um, I guess how I got into this is I just wanted to help Claire. I didn't know what's going to come out of this platform, but we made that connection. And I think that's um, that's one of the foundations for the CX world because it's quite small as a community overall. And it's all about, you know, building that connection to others and supporting them in what they do. And um, I don't feel I do enough, to be honest, on this. I love that I was able to contribute and give that knowledge and to allow this platform to develop with the customer needs in mind. This is the philosophy I advocate. That's the same as Claire advocates. And we were able to find out what members would actually need, what's missing in the market, who are the personalities who would benefit from it. And it got developed to satisfy their needs and that there is still so much potential. And that's what I love about it. Um, I guess as a founding member, what I also enjoy is to be able to contribute the knowledge. And going back to my point that I feel I don't do enough, and all of us in the community have day jobs. The, you know, Clay is the founding member, but she still does other things as well. And um, I have my own business to run. And the beauty of this community is that it allows us to contribute as much as we can while still being appreciated for it. Um, so Mandisa and Serena, they, they are able to run their own circles and we're grateful for that. It takes a lot of effort to do that. Um, I'm not able to do that, but I'm able to share things that I learned from my clients, share case studies, share my methodologies, and hopefully that gets appreciated. Some other people just come in and they have discussions. That's all they can do. And we're still very grateful for that. Uh, so one thing that it's built on customer needs and also it continues to be built on it because we take what people can give and we really love them for that. And I oh. think that there is a sense of love for it, isn't it? And Olga's really underselling herself there because she's done so much for the community, not only in the build, but coming in and doing things like workshops and keynote presentations and absolutely actively <laughs> supporting oh, thank you, the Claire. knowledge of others. But I think this is an example, though, isn't it, of like the female experience that we feel like this, this oh, maybe I didn't do enough. Or, it, you know, what I contributed wasn't quite as much as it should be. And this is the kind of thing we talk about all the time in the community because we are enough and what we do and what we contribute to the world of customer experience and our community is just fabulous. But um, because we've been conditioned to think we need to do more all the time, I just think it's super interesting that we've just had like a live case study of why women need to support one another <laughs> and you put it there beautifully you know that uh, we appreciate each other for being enough hell to the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I guess for me um not only in my in my day job as Olga mentioned um am I constantly trying to find ways to empower just our employees and the people around us especially my team, but a passion of mine is also empowering women to, to break down these, these thoughts and these barriers, just like 
we still do it every day because it's just how we think and react to things. But um, being able to empower women to, to realize that there is space for you at that table, your ideas mean something. Um, the, the, the vision and the, um, the values that we all hold true um, really of being inclusive and being collaborative. And it doesn't have to be a competition woman against woman. It absolutely can be supportive and everyone wins and, and you can lift each other as you're rising yourself. Um, and that for me has been just in some of my uh, most stressful anxiety ridden days coming to this community has really been able to kind of lift my spirits, get myself out of my own head, realize the, the good that is happening around me and that I'm contributing to. But for whatever reason, as Claire mentioned, you just feel like you have to keep giving more and you're not giving enough. Um, but it, it is true. It, it, it's a supportive environment that in, in a safe space where we can talk about some of these difficult things um, without judgment, without fear of, uh, you know, you know, anything negative happening. Um, and it's, it truly is uh, empowering to feel and hear others struggling with the same things um, and, and being able to be open enough to talk about that. So, and I'm, I'm super thrilled that I, I found this space and then I've been able to take a leadership role within it and help build out the Americas uh, side of things too. So um, we just launched these inner circles uh, for the regions this week and, uh, yeah, we're, so we've got a lot more growth and, and opportunities ahead of us and bringing even more women along. So super, super thrilled. <laughs> so go ahead, Mandisa. Okay, so for me, I actually, when I look back, I don't know how things have happened. It's almost like it's a dream it's because it started from a podcast and then I got offered a seat to do some work with care on diversity and inclusion. And inclusion. And then it was a founding member seat. And I didn't even know what that is. I just accepted the seat. I said, well, just accept the seat. <laughs> and then as I got to meet all these amazing women, it was almost like the world just opened up. And I think for me, based on my culture, we are more community oriented. So there's a sense of family. You know, you grew, you grew up in a community setup. So that transition for me was quite easy because I'm always around people. There's a sense of quite a community in terms of where I grew up. So starting from a founding member and then today leading the Women in CX Africa Circle, it's beyond me, I tell you. And I guess also, not I guess, what I have seen is that there's this, you know, you get to meet all these amazing people. You get to connect with people that you've never ever met, but there's a sense of trust and family and we're holding each other's hands. You are free to talk about anything you wanna encourage. And I also guess that the, what you get out of the community, it's, it's based on what you give in. So I'm, I'm, I make a point of being actively involved in the community because I know what I'm getting out of it. You know, there's so much that I've learned. Um, being part of the beta team to do the co-design, you get to live in the CX space to be part of something practical where that offers learning for you as well. And there's collaboration opportunities. I mean, I got to work with Olga and with Christelle on a, on, a, on, a, on a client project outside of the community. And we recently got awarded a contract with by a company in the UAE 
myself and Laura, who I've met through the community, you know, and that would have never happened had it not been for this platform, you know. So there's so much opportunities. And it's like, I'm talking to the ladies in the Africa circle to say, I've been here and I know what it's done for me. And if you can just trust yourself, don't be afraid, allow yourself to make mistakes. The other day I shared something, a speech that was um, written by um, Michaela Cohen when she got the Emmy Awards. She was trying to encourage some of the writers and she's saying that you write your, your, your book scared. You write your book fearful, it's okay. Go ahead and write. It's the same thing with the women in sex community. I post scared sometimes. I post fearful sometimes, but I just post anyway. And there's a sense of love and people just go and say, oh, Vanessa, I love this. Today I posted a picture of a horse, a video, encouraging everybody. And someone else took it out of the community into LinkedIn to say, you know what, this really helped me. I needed this today. And that's the kind of activity that takes place every single day, but it's dependent on how much you bring in and that, that will yield a lot of returns for you. But if you're not actively involved, and I don't think you can find another safe space to really be yourself, because for me, it's a safe space. I can be my Lisa and I can show up outside in the world because I'm coming from a space that incubates me and allows me to be my Lisa. So when I come out in the world, I'm like, I, I, I know who I am. <laughs> because I've got these women that are behind me, you know, they're cheering me on. And I feel like I can just do anything in the world. So I can talk a lot about the community. <laughs> oh, I'm literally smiling from ear to ear. I don't know if you like notice. I'm also a bit emotional <laughs> because this is so powerful. You know, being able to like live more authentically because we have a safe space to express ourselves and take that back out into the the world and honestly Bob like seeing women stepping up and you know asking for the promotion the pay rise starting podcasts starting new businesses left right and center because they are supported by other women is just phenomenal and honestly I couldn't be prouder of the achievements of, of every single member and the collective power that that's brought uh, to us as a group well I think you said it Claire it's very powerful and and uh, I'm, I'm frankly a little emotional hearing all of you talk about these journeys. And there's one area that, that was unexpected for me in this discussion so far. And that is that you're talking about more than customer experience. You're talking about women's issues, domestic violence, human trafficking, uh, challenges within the career choices, diversity, equity, and inclusion. One of the areas that I've recently grown passionate about is I don't think we talk about social responsibility enough within the customer experience community. And I'm defining social responsibility very broadly, economic, environmental, sustainability, um, issues that really affect us. And we're and sometimes we're so focused on sorry to my journey mapping friends, but we're so focused on journey maps and these other things that we don't consider that there's this global thing happening around us and that we have to integrate social responsibility and uh, into our actions. And I think that's what you all are talking about in a much more um, direct and sincere way. And I, and I appreciate that. I think it's really important that we can't ignore those other, those other issues. 
Can I just add to this, Bob, really quickly? I think the subject of social responsibility is often taken as something that big corporations have to do, but taking it to communities like this and to conversations shows that it's our responsibility. You know, a small business, we can do a lot of things. Mandisa does an enormous amount of stuff to support communities in South Africa. Um, I do things in Georgia as well because I'm fortunate enough to be able to. And, you know, we as individuals contribute to the world. So being in this community and showing others that it's possible and it's individual responsibility, not just corporate, is hugely important. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, it was from the outset, it was part of our mission to make a social difference to the world so you know from recruiting mandisa's expertise to help us set our own diversity and inclusion agenda it was one of the first things we did it wasn't an afterthought which quite often i find you know people are trying to work diversity and inclusion into stuff and we were just so clear about our values that that was the first you know point of the genesis of anything that we did like how do we make women feel included how do we um, ensure that everybody's welcomed warmly like because it was truly the motivation of why we wanted to build a space and you know being able to introduce stuff like social pricing so 145 out of 195 developing countries um, are eligible for Wix discount so they get 70% off their membership fees we provide scholarships for women that are unemployed to help them get back into work it's just a no-brainer because if we don't level the playing field and have um equity in access to things like this how are women that currently aren't well represented ever going to get a look in and influencing the future of cx so like we've got 53 countries as of today um but we were intentional about recruiting from india africa has been a very important place for us um you know mandisa sharing with me that you know how much cx is taking off in that space and needs a space for women to be able to share their stories and support one another as CX progresses but when they look around they don't see anybody that looks like them on these big panels or on stages talking about it or on podcasts and we can do something about that by the way that we utilize our community so like agreeing with Olga you know if a small little tiny company can you know do something that does help to change the world then it does help to highlight you know companies with big budgets and far more uh, available to them in terms of resource could definitely do more but being able to build a mission-driven experience that has values at the core of it is something that I think every organization could do and maybe just to add to what you said Claire a lot of the times what you would find is diversity and inclusion is almost like a card and it's actually an exercise but there's no depth to it and what I have found with the women in CX community is that it's it's genuinely lived, you know, and it comes from a, a deep place and a very sincere and authentic place, you know, because sometimes if you're a woman of color and you go into different spaces, sometimes you can really feel that, look, this is not my table. I'm just so, by the way, invited here. But women in, with women in CX, there's this intentionality that you don't find everywhere. You know, it's so authentic, it's so real. And I know that 
with the stereotypes that are there, that have been framed by different systems, it's enough to break through those stereotypes. I can tell you that. It's gonna take a while because people's minds, especially women of, women of color, have been shaped and framed by different systems. So to get to a space that's so unfamiliar, it will take some time, but it will get there. I think what you've what 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 we've done as a community, it's enough to break through those stereotypes and to put one at ease, to say that you know what you are you are part of us, you are one of us, and we're not doing this because there's some scorecard that we need to achieve. It's not a, 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 a way of us trying to get a specific number, but we're really intentional. So for me specifically, as much as in the beginning, I was probably one of the very few women of color. I did not feel like that. I can tell you now, not once did I feel like that. It was quite authentic and very natural. Do you remember Mandisa? Do you remember Mandisa when we right back at the beginning talked about like this this feeling that we need to be invited to sit at the table, or that women need us to be like given a seat, and we were just like, oh, screw that, we're just going to build a massive table where there's room for everybody, and that's what our kind of community uh, mantra was. I know that it was like really really early days, but I yeah. just can't like over. Um, emphasize how much that actually has influenced where we've got to today and that was just you and I like talking about how we wanted to do this oh, every like... time I talk to Mandissa I just want to give her a hug <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a reason why she's Queen Mandisa right like she's got that's her nickname in the community Queen M she is oh. a queen <laughs> I think what's so interesting about what you're all saying is that isn't that what we're striving for with our clients as consultants or with our companies as employees is to create customer experience as part of the DNA and you've created it from the beginning of the formation of the community and we have to move it from being a program to being fully integrated into the values of an organization. And that's so difficult to do, but you've done it. You've almost created, you have created a roadmap for how to do it from a startup. And, and there's gotta be tremendous learnings there for organizations to say, how do we incorporate it if we're an established organization and make this happen? Because that's the only way we can be effective in improving the experience for our employees and our customers is making it part of our DNA. Yeah, and if anyone listening is interested, I'm sure we could club together and uh, <laughs> provide some perspective on how to do that. <laughs> I bet, I bet you could. So this has been fascinating listening to this. Tell us, uh, as kind of our some of our final thoughts here, where are we headed? And and I'd I'd be curious about some of your insights into where is women in CX headed. Some some next step goals that you might have, but then also where is the world of CX headed as we consider all the things that are happening globally today? Should I kick us off and then you guys can, can add? I'll just talk from like the kind of women in CX perspective. So, um, so back on CX day last year, so October, we decided it was time to put the women in CX day because we recognized that there was this I'm not sure if it's a correlation or not, or whether it's a causation or a correlation, but the fact that the frontline workforce in CX is 60% female, 
but at management at supervisory level that drops to just below 30 and then into leadership it's 12 and the way cx is going is much more digital powered and technology powered experiences right and then when you look at the technology group of the diversity in terms of gender it's even worse so there are so you know few relative to the the overall proportion of developers of people with women in ai some of the big technologies that are taking off so um so we know that the future is more technology and digital driven than ever and part of our responsibility in supporting and empowering women in cx women in cx tech we have a lot of women in tech in our community too is that actually we need more female representation to help to continue to drive the people aspects throughout technologies because with 70% of consumers saying that they feel customer service is becoming dehumanized there must be a relationship between some of the stuff that we're talking about that comes so naturally to us and in startup culture if we had more women represented in those conversations in management and in leadership and in those technical roles, I think that we could have a very different future. So I guess like the, one of the goals and ambitions for women in CX is to actively shape the future of customer experience by promoting the voices of women and championing their ideas. And, um, you know, the, the stuff that we can now do because we've got this huge social media following is actually amplify the voices of all these women and their perspectives and, and, and really make a difference. That's kind of one thing from me and the community perspective, wrapped into one, <laughs> future of CX and future of women in CX. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. So I'll, I'll go next. So I guess for me, what I, what I am seeing is this major evolution in CX and customer experience. And you do find that there's a bit of reluctance and a bit of inflexibility in terms of embracing the change. But we gotta acknowledge that COVID-19 has brought along this massive shock into each and every industry, not CX alone. And it's a change that has been long overdue. It's unfortunate that it's taken, sorry, <clears throat> a global pandemic to make us realize that we need to change because naturally as human beings, we are continuously evolving. And there's no way that um, a discipline like CX cannot evolve, especially because it's customer experience. You're dealing with the customer who's continuously changing. From an African context, there's this huge growth and adoption of customer experience. I've been invited now to speak um, as, a, as, a, as a, um, a, a guest speaker for the, um, for, for CX in Kenya. So they're rolling out this annual um, event, which is CX related. It's an formalized body. So there's a lot of that happening in South Africa and across the African continent. But we're really trying to establish our own voice. Obviously, because Africa as a continent, it's different. It's nuances and dynamics. So there's gotta be a blueprint for Africa. And it doesn't mean that when that blueprint is designed, we now try to compete with European countries. But we're just going back to reality and saying that for the African continent, there are nuances and dynamics that require of us to come up with a blueprint that is unique to our environment. So there's a great adoption of customer experience across the continent and in South Africa. And there's a massive evolution also that I am seeing in terms of people's mindset, um, instead of people's ways of thinking, 
about customer experience is really getting back to the basics. It's like Jean said um, in one of the podcasts in the Women in CX community, we need to start getting dirt under our nails. And that hasn't been happening. Those people are hiding behind journey mapping, VOE, VOC, VOX, you name it. There's all these acronyms, but what are we really doing? And right now it is time for us to really start doing and making that different and tangibly showing what CX is about. So that's why with the Women in CX Africa Circle, the focus is really about education. We, we, we see ourselves as you know, the forefront leaders of driving CX education in the African um, context, also creating an awareness, but most importantly, raising a generation of customer experience leaders as, as, as leaders ourselves, because we need to start instilling that culture of customer experience within the African um, context. I'm also doing a masterclass in the next week for entrepreneurs on customer experience. I've been invited by a nonprofit to go and chat to about 60 entrepreneurs. Tomorrow I'm speaking to 150 women in business in one of the townships. I'm talking about customer experience there again. So there's a lot of work happening locally about customer experience. And everywhere I go, I advocate for women in CX. You know, there's this body of women that are really intentional about leading the change and the evolution that is so long overdue in the, in the, in the CX industry. Can we just give Mandita a round of applause? Because that is just amazing. <laughs> I'm just feeling so inspired right now. <laughs> yeah, so many goosebumps. <laughs> um, I guess uh, from my perspective, uh, having been one of those people that, uh, one of those women that have been in the tech industry from early college days to, to now, um, we still, yeah, we still do not have enough women in this area. And I think it's, it's growing We're we're trying to get there, but I, I'm also, I, again, something that women don't do often, and I'm going to, I'm going to be courageous enough to do it right now. I'm so proud of myself for being able to rise above all of that and be able to create a position that allows me to bring others along and up the chain as well. And I think that the more that we can talk to the younger generations, the more that we can take this women in CX and bring it down to our girls, um, for those of us that have kids, to you know our nieces and to our neighbors' kids and whatever it is, the more that we can bring women along this journey and say, you know, you matter, there is a space for you. You have good ideas that are just as powerful as anyone else. Um, and, and, and be able to grow them into the space. The question that you're asking at the very top of the call, Bob, I hope that that is not something that we can ask much longer, that that is something that girls think about is being able to come along into a customer experience space, whether it be from the tech side, from the research side, from you know, um, CEO, founder, just as Claire has become. Uh, there is so much building the communities. I, and I, that is something I just love about Mandisa's work is how connected she is to her local community. And I would love to see more of that too, bringing CX to our local communities um, and our governments and things of that nature that we know for sure need some help in that area. <laughs> um, but I guess generally speaking for me, 
CX is just the starting in the, the, the tip of the iceberg. For me, it's, it's the HX, it's the human connection, the human experience, and bringing all things that we do back to who we're serving and being able to, um, to help people realize that they can intentionally design their future just as much as we can our organization's futures. Another round of applause. That was incredible. <laughs> Just to, to round up what everyone else is saying, I see two main trends for the CX community at the moment. Um, one is the business relevance. I was fortunate enough to present at the CX Summit 2022 yesterday, and at least half of the presentations were about CX and what it delivers for the business. Um, I, as everyone knows, probably I talk a lot about agile CX implementation, and I'm now changing my framework to start from a business project. Whilst previously we were talking, you've got to have a CX strategy, you've got to map your journeys, um, identify the gap, prioritize the projects, and then you do the projects. That probably takes you about eight months, and that's too long, and irrelevant, theoretical. Um, identify a project that needs customer-centric contribution, do that, lead effectively, and then you have proven that CX does something for the business. And um, I'm very pleased this is where the industry seems to be going. Um, maybe the pandemic has forced us to think like that a little bit. And unfortunately, we saw many CX professionals being made redundant because they haven't been able to prove their effectiveness pre-pandemic. But now budgets are tight and people have to prove their worth. And that's the right thing to do. You know, we, are, we do work in organizations that have to deliver and CX is part of that. And it's a very good way to deliver if you're doing what actually matters to humans. Um, and as a business, we should all be doing that. And a second trend I see is um, another very important one is that CX is becoming more global and more local. And like we see in women in CX community, there are brilliant professionals in many parts of the world. And um, I've been talking about this for years that um, us who uh, grew up as CX professionals in the Western culture, we came into regions like Middle East or Africa or Far East and said, here's the concept, look, it works. They go, no, it doesn't. <laughs> And um, we assume far too much. Uh, we don't always understand the culture, the local specifics, or the way people communicate and do business. And we just say, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it our way. No, do it your way. But we, we are able to share the tools that have been tried and tested in different environments. But let's adapt them and make them work for your businesses, your organizations, your governments, and your people. And I keep saying to everyone that, you know, by in a few years time, I'll write a book about the cultural specifics and how cultures determine um, CX practices, because I work globally uh, from you know, US to Far East and Middle East and everywhere people are people, but they have different ways of doing things and we have to be adaptable to that. Oh. Yes, sister. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Um, and I, I love hearing this 
being shared on this particular podcast because I know it's going to go far and wide but I feel like there are a lot of things in the way of that (laughs) actually you know being something that does metastasize and grow as a perspective because there's still a lot of the push around frameworks and vendor-led very heavy investments in technology solutions that are supposed to deliver customer experience um very us-led still perspectives on frameworks and strategies that underpin the majority of like learning objectives of a lot of cx professionals coming up from around the world so yeah please do write that book olga because i think the world needs to hear it <laughs> now i'm gonna have to now that it's yes, public you, that's you it. right <laughs> You know, it's, it, I, I can relate to what you're saying. I teach a, a MBA course in global operations strategy, and I spend the first few classes trying to deprogram uh, students from being U.S. central, as if the world revolves around the U.S. And we have international students from across a variety of countries across the globe that are in the class, and we have to think differently and think globally. And we used to, all, at Thompson Reuters, we used to always say, think global, act local. And uh, it, it, it truly was a driver of our culture. So this has been a fascinating conversation, but, and I know um, we need to wrap up. I don't want to, I, I would like to just keep going, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I close all of my podcasts in the same way and ask my guests, final words of wisdom uh, to our listeners before I wrap up our podcast. So I'll turn it back to you for final words. So I'll start. <laughs> Please. So I recently just spent a, a bit of time really trying to, to understand my vision and my why for CX. And I came up with the statement that says, a world without an experience divide. So that's, that's, that's my why. Um, as much as the world is divided into different continents, I again sometimes question myself and say, Mandisa, is that possible? Because the world, the way which it's designed, it's quite divided. So maybe the division is needed, but at the same time, I'm then bringing, because we're South Africa, I'm saying, a South Africa without an experience divide, that is what keeps me going every single day. To say, let's narrow this experience divide because we see so much innovation, products and services coming into the market, but the divide is getting bigger and bigger. And that has got to find a way of narrowing it down as we bring more solutions and integrating products and services into the township, into, into the city, the experience divide needs to be narrowed. Right now, it's quite big, it's getting bigger and bigger. The more we get new products, it's just getting bigger and bigger. So that's my final words is, a world without an experience divide. Thank you. Olga? I'll borrow from uh, my daughter, who's seven, and she's had far too much online school listening to my work conversations, obviously, in the background. So she comes up with these words of wisdom every now and then that inspire me, actually. And her most recent one is think customer experience when talking to your friends, family, and helpers. And if every and each one of us thought that, including those who lead corporations, I think the world would be a much better customer experience place. Wow, excellent. From the, from the words of children, right? From the thoughts of children. Uh, Serena? 
Yeah, I love that so much because I, I, I mean, piggybacking off of both of what you, what both of you have said, um, my own personal kind of tagline is empowering individuals and organizations to better intentionally design their futures. And it, like I said, it, the same principles that we talk about from the CX perspective can be applied to individuals. It can be implied to when I'm thinking about how I'm going to step into that, that next meeting room, how do I want people to experience me? How do I want people or what value do I want people to walk away from that meeting with? Um, it's in my control. Now, obviously things don't always go to plan. Uh, nothing ever will. Um, but being able to at least be intentional with how you approach your everyday life, your um, career, your professional, your, your spiritual life, all of those things, like it all comes back to the human, uh, the human experience and the human connection of all of it. And yeah, although your daughter's amazing for being seven and already realizing that the more that we just experience one, one another with empathy, with kindness, with, you know, all of the things that we hold dear, near and dear to creating good experiences, the, the better this world will be for sure. Claire? Um, yeah, I kind of borrow from Mahatma Gandhi. Um, so <laughs> be the change you want to see in the CX world. So, you know, just like you've heard these women today sharing their perspectives and standing up for what they're believing in, being courageous, speaking about it, being about it, taking action steps towards the change that is sorely needed. Uh, I think I see a lot in social media, people moaning about this stuff, but not really doing anything. So whether you're in a company or you're starting your own company or you're, you know, just on social media, seeing all of this stuff that, you know, these changes in the CX world that feel very like overpowering, overwhelming, overpowering, there's nothing we can do. Yes, you can. Um, it's just about trusting your gut, listening to that internal voice that's saying we need to do things differently, not sticking to the roles that have been laid out for you by um, what is now pretty outdated methodologies and just experimenting and trying new things and if a small group of women can create something you know so monumental in less than a year um you know connect with others be part of communities and that i think the change that we want to see in the world will happen far faster so true it's the people you least imagine that do the things no one can imagine this has been a wonderful podcast. Thank you to my guests, Claire, Serena, Olga, and Mandisa. Listeners, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. I hope you'll stay tuned for future episodes, as well as all of the episodes from my fellow podcasters on the CX of M radio podcast network. Until we join one another again on this podcast, I bid you farewell and be sure and share this with your networks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.